Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. And I keep saying the word people because I think it's such an important piece. I mean, that's essentially what leadership comes down to, is the people that you're able to interact with on a day-to-day basis and how you're able to bring value to them. Uh, so it's, it's uh, I would say, a, a, a position of self-sacrifice if you do it the right way. And um, it's also, I feel very honored to be in a position to lead this team because um, it's, a, it's a great team and we're doing crazy things that are just way different than any other company has done before. And uh, it brings me back to that Margaret Mead quote. You probably know it. Never doubt that a small group of people can change the world. You are listening to The Real Leaders Podcast, where leaders keep it real. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that thinking comes from the co-founder and CEO of Pathwater, Shadi Bakor who was tired of being told that his team can't change the world. Throughout today's discussion, Bacor shares how they developed a scalable solution to ending single-use plastic, the growing pains that come along with rapid growth, and what wakes him and his team members out of bed every morning. So without further interruption, may I introduce to you Episode 185 with the real Shadi Bakor. Enjoy. We're back in five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome everyone to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today is Shadi Bakor, the co-founder and CEO of Pathwater. Shadi, thanks for being with us today. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled to have you on this show because Pathwater, the name itself is iconic. And uh, you know, most of the people in the impact community really don't follow the same path. It's non-traditional, it's non-conventional. Tell us about your Mm -hmm. path and how you kind of came to the concept of Pathwater. Yeah, well, I think life is a journey and everybody has their own journey. We like to say, you know, choose your path. It's a pun on on what our brand stands for, the path forward, the path to more healthy and sustainable future. So I think there are a lot of different ways that you can make an impact in the world. And uh, it's really great to see what you're doing as well to help spread that message much louder and much wider. Shadi, what were you like as a child growing up? Like, were, were you were you involved in sports? <laughs> were you in clubs? Like, yeah. what, what were you like? Yeah, I played a lot of sports. I was pushed very hard as a child academically. You know, being from a Middle Eastern background or just any, I think, immigrant background, uh, my parents had to start from scratch and build themselves up. And so they invested everything into us. And I think 
that blossomed over the years, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, it's, it all started out just um, going all into academics, sports, just music, you name it, um, and just being very active at a young age. So you were, were you like a pretty good student growing up? Like me, like I was like, all right, I just kind of study hard. I really don't think I was that smart, but I put in those hours, you know, like what, what type of student were you? I was good. I was taking, uh, I was taking math courses, high school math courses in fifth grade. And I was part of Stanford's youth gifted program. I was tutoring, you know, people much older than me. So I was, I, like I said, I excelled, I had the, I mean, I was blessed to have parents that really put me in that position and really fought for me to, to be able to have those opportunities. Like I would skip PE and I would, you know, I would go take a math course at community college. And later in the day I would do competitive swimming and that's how I would get my PE credits. So just doing weird stuff that's not traditional to your point from a very young age and found an early passion for business. I remember buying my first stock. Um, I think I was eight or nine years old and it, I made good money on it. I did all right. So it was a good start and uh, I feel very blessed. What stock I had a was good it? childhood. It was Intel. Intel, nice. So you're eight years old. You're buying stocks of Intel. Uh, sounds unconventional. It sounds like we've got an entrepreneur here. <laughs> and it's funny you say that because a lot of the social entrepreneurs that come on this show, you know, will, will sometimes experience a problem. Like I know, you know, Pathwater, the bottle you're drinking right now, one of its intention is to, you know, eliminate this single-use plastic. So I've interviewed a few companies and right. they're like, you know, we, we experienced those problems. I was out, I was doing beach cleanups. I was in, uh, I was in a Caribbean island and there was, there was trash and plastic everywhere. And I wanted to solve this problem. I wanted to close you know, the tap and turn it off. But you started a different way, didn't you? Tell us about our entrepreneur, your entre entrepreneurship journey and how you came to the concept of Pathwater. Yeah. Well, it just started with a few people sitting around in a circle talking about how we could innovate, how we could just start something new. Uh, I had had ventures before that, some with mild success, but it, it was really this idea that we wanted to create we wanted to get it into the market quickly. We wanted to, you know, make an impact, hopefully make a lot of money and and be able to support our families. And and you know, we're just young, hungry entrepreneurs that wanted to to create something. And um so we stumbled upon this idea just through our brainstorming, through our discussions, through us going into the store and actually thinking about what, what were the different innovations that you could make in the beverage aisle, in the water aisle. And it very quickly, we, we saw the opportunity. We realized that the problem was starting to get a tailwind. The headlines about plastic 
were still they still needed a few years at that point. We really got in pretty early, to be honest. Um, we were basically the pioneers when it comes to doing things in a very, very different way. We weren't the first ones to, by the way, have an eco-friendly bottled water brand. But the way that we approached the problem was really unique. And I think disruption happens when you are surrounded by technology and techno by leveraging technology, you can find efficiencies in cost and efficiencies in ways that you do different things. And, and through that comes disruption in, in every industry, you know, and, and this is just how we're disrupting the bottled water industry. So let's dive into that a little bit more. A lot of the solutions, when you think about the solutions that are necessary to change the world, the title of this podcast, a lot of them people think are associated with the nonprofits. It should not be a for-profit organization. But mm -hmm. what you're saying is when disruption and innovation comes, it ha you have to use technology. You're able to reduce your costs to create these scalable solutions to solve a problem intentionally. How do you do something like that? Where did you start um, when, when you thought about the idea of uh, ending single use? We just started with basically the back of a napkin, started drawing stuff out. We started just playing around with the idea in every single way, researching the market, talking to different manufacturers. And in doing that, you kind of, you, I, I always, I was just actually thinking about this, how you have people throughout the, your journey that, that you'll touch and you'll connect with. And some you might think are extremely important people one day and then the next day they'll be completely irrelevant. Um, but it was just about going out there and connecting with people and, and trying to find our way and, and learn the ropes. And the first few years, it was very, very difficult. It was very grounds up, you know, hustle, grind, all that stuff that you hear on social media these days. Um, so I kind of, we love that part. Those are one of our favorite parts of building the business, but it was very mentally challenging to overcome because you have to be patient and you have to kind of hit your break and, and you hit multiple breaks along the way. You know, it's not just one break. You break through different ceilings at every level. And um, so, yeah, we've we've had a lot of people help us. We haven't done it by ourselves. And, uh, and I think we will continue to, to work as a community. It's not just any single person that's, that's driving any initiative. We're not solving the plastic problem in the world, right? Uh, we're very specific to bottled water and how we're disrupting that industry. But all of these companies together and what they stand for, I think that's what's driving um, the, the engagement of the community and the actual 
impact at at scale. Hmm. Maybe elaborate on that a little bit for people listening to this for the first time that aren't really aware about reusable bottles, about a trend that's going on with ending single use. Explain to people what's going on in your eyes. Yeah. Well, it, what it all comes down to at the end of the day is this. We eat about a credit card worth of plastic every week in the United States through microplastics. So maybe 20 years ago, we thought that it was destroying the marine life and the seagulls are all eating plastic. And you see the pictures of the turtle with the straw in its nose. That's all terrific. And we definitely should preserve our oceans. I love to surf. I don't want to stop surfing. Um, but at the same time, now it's coming into the point where we don't necessarily at mass scale yet fully realize how bad plastic is destroying the planet and therefore destroying humanity as a whole, as a, the human race. So if we're self-serving, which we all are, then we should probably you know, think about that as a community, as a whole, of how we're going to solve these problems. And I think we are doing that. I think social enterprise has become the holy grail of business right now. So it's cool to be part of a social enterprise for sure. And it's it's a lot of fun to be part of a group of people that are you know, making a change one bottle at a time and doing stuff that, that goes beyond the financial ROI of just business. Um, but to your point earlier, I think the difference between business and nonprofit is really interesting. I think there's a place for both of them for sure. Um, and there are gigantic nonprofits that are doing insane things, but there are also businesses that are driving change at, at a huge, huge scale in the world. And hopefully Pathwater is on its way there very soon. I love it. I love it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm tired of having that conversation like, oh, can a business do good and make money at the same time? I think the conversation needs to be, let's get greedy about doing good things for the world as, as kind of twisted as that sounds. It, it is in that self-interest. You know, it's like the coronavirus, mm -hmm. you know, the coronavirus hasn't, you know, like when, when it came out, I was listening to a podcast I had done with a recycling partner before this. When coronavirus came out, the doctors were saying, it's not going to kill more people than heart disease this year. But because it's an immediate threat and because we're humans, because it's something that's going to eat us or kill us, we react and we go inside and we stay away and we make the changes we need to make. But when it comes to an existential threat, that's very difficult to see. Not a lot of action is done. So I'll give you maybe a surfing analogy since I, I like to surf as well. Uh, I'd be curious to ride, uh, understand what you ride. I, I got a 7.4. Um, but uh, if you were in the water, and climate change is the water. Water shortage and water shortage usage is the shark. It's the immediate threat that we are going to be able to see at, at this point in time, followed by plastic. So when it comes to water usage, refillable waters, water usage in this world, how can a company like Pathwater um, or people use a company like Pathwater to avoid that shark? That's a very good question. 
And it comes down to one thing, which is your lifestyle. It's how you live on a day-to-day basis, what, what you use, what you order from Amazon, from, you know, we're, we live in a stuff economy. And it's very hard to, to sort through all that noise and figure out what you actually need versus what you probably don't and in some way you could be avoiding. Um, but as humans, we are inherently lazy. We like convenience. Yes. And so there's a balance, right? And so there, there now there's this space in between where companies can come in and provide that level of convenience through, again, through technology and through disruption um, at a much lower cost and provide a solution to the consumer. And that's what we're seeing happen in so many different industries right now. Yeah, it's, it's, I like your word choice, like lazy, like the thought that like people are going to make all these conscious decisions is an interesting one. It is an interesting one. So I'd like to ask you about that, actually. Like, do you think like consumers in the long run, if a recession hits, are going to choose your product because of its mission, because of its purpose, because of its intent to end single use plastic versus, let's say, a, a 24 pack of Fiji water? Um, well, that's, that's a very interesting question. I think we'll find out time will tell, but it's looking, it's looking pretty good right now. Um, and I think people are speaking up. You're seeing activism happen all over the world in every aspect of what activism could mean. And so it's it's an interesting time in the world for sure where you can where you can have a voice and you don't necessarily need to be a celebrity um i mean look at you look at how successful this podcast is and how many people you're reaching through it and the the impact that you're having just sitting backstage at the real leaders uh right there you know it's it's pretty phenomenal and uh so again technology is a crazy thing and it's the the rate at which it's increasing is allowing us to do things is is creating companies differently organizations nonprofits in different ways than they've ever been able to access to different softwares and and virtual and ai and all these things that are emerging right now are being implemented into how we analyze data and how we drive business objectives. Mm. Um, it's just, it's a really interesting time, man. I got to tell you. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing to, to take one step at a time and kind of building the plane as we fly it, so to speak. Is the, I guess that's the entrepreneurial journey of building a, a business and building a brand. And, and Chai, the reason I ask that is because uh, I personally think that the price of your aluminum cans will go down over time. I think Fiji's water bottles will look like yours over time. I think consumers in the, in the long run will say none, no more of this. 
So tell yeah. us about the circular economy. What is the circular economy for people understanding and listening to it for the first time? And how does Pathwater create this closed loop system? Sure. So the circular economy is basically a world in which we are able to regenerate and, and not essentially be wasteful, be destructive, be toxic to the planet, to the earth. And so what we're doing with the brand is we're not changing the, the, the delivery method of water. We're not simply saying, you know, he, he, here's your plastic bottle of water and here's a, another bottle that could be in another material, for example, or done a different way, but you're still going to drink it and then you're going to toss it. What we're doing is we're completely shifting the narrative and saying, hey, if you want a bottle of water, you can have that bottle of water, but we're also giving you now a reusable bottle where you have the opportunity to refill, reuse, and recycle once you're done with it. And so through doing that, we're changing the way that people are thinking about consuming water on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's what the circular economy comes down to is changing consumer habits in a way that allows us to get into the reuse culture because we know that reusability is the best form of sustainability. If you, even Patagonia right now is starting to sell clothing that's used, which is an amazing thing because we don't necessarily need to make new clothing, right? And doing things with a closed loop where you can have that use case at one point and then you can have it again and again and again with the same product um, is what sustainability is all about. We want to use less and do more with what we have. I, I love it. And, and I thought it was really interesting the first time I like drank out of one of your bottles. I was just like, interesting. It's like a hydro flask, but it's, it's not, it's, it's you know, a little bit lighter. Um, the water tastes good and, you know, it's filtered water that's coming straight from there. And yeah, sure. I can take it home. I can take it with me wherever. But the one thing I noticed that was different from the aluminum bottle versus the, let's say a plastic bottle, it's that this one for sure got into the recycle. So when it comes to like yeah. the collection rate of recyclables in this closed loop system, what's the difference between aluminum and plastic? It's pretty massive. So globally, plastic is recycled about 9%. In the US, we know that aluminum is recycled about 72% of the time. Interesting, it's so interesting. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty big difference. And the, the way that which, by which plastic is recycled versus aluminum is completely different. Plastic actually loses quality every time. So it's down, it's down cycled, it's not recycled. You might know, um, and aluminum is infinitely recyclable. So it's the takes the lowest amount of energy to actually recycle it. Once it's, it takes energy to pull it out of the ground, hmm. but once it's in the economy and circulating, it's infinitely recyclable. So it'll maintain that same quality throughout the life of forever. And, and in that you'll have 
extremely high rates of recycling where if you throw an aluminum bottle into the recycling bin, it will end up as another product on the shelf within 60 days of it reaching the recycling bin. So it's a, it's a very uh, fast moving and very efficient way to recycle materials. It's aluminum's the most recyclable material in the world, has the highest recycling value. And actually recycling centers don't make any money from recycling plastic, glass, or paper. They make it all from recycling aluminum and other really valuable metals. Yeah, I found that to be the most surprising fact I heard from one of your prior interviews is is that that is why do we recycle plastic in the first place if they're not making money off of it? I just out of curiosity. Do you know why? Because we can't I mean, so it does get recycled into a different product. That's the process of downcycling. So you take a higher quality of plastic and then every time that you recycle it, it gets a little bit lower quality, a little bit lower quality. So that plastic bottle can't make another plastic bottle, but maybe it can make like a plastic bag or a little toy that you play around with. Or, and then eventually it becomes such a low grade of plastic where it will end up as micro pellets in the ocean. Mm. Um, And where does that come from? Petroleum, right? is what the base material of plastic before it's processed virgin plastics yeah it's it's interesting uh it's interesting that you surf too like how long you've been surfing and have you found a connection not long okay do you have a connection with like more more of a connection with the outdoors because you're out there though like i was out friday evening and i had this video i posted on my instagram and i was just surfing literally with dolphins dolphins were coming right in the waves popping out wow. you know, going down it was it was unbelievable and then you just think about there you're like man this is you know i don't know 50 yards out from the you know the the land so have you found a connection with the you know nature that you may have not thought that you would have ever had absolutely i think there are so many different ways to connect with nature but surfing is definitely an amazing one of them just being in the ocean you just you you really value you know the elements and and it just kind of takes your breath away sometimes when you when you have the opportunity to do those things so i try to do them as much as possible i'm here you know getting water to the people right now but uh whenever i can break out i i love to do those types of things i just bought a backpack so i'm going to be going backpacking sometime in the near future and in the meantime uh i gotta keep working on my surfing maybe i'll come down to san diego and you You can give me some lessons man you got to i'm not that good but yeah yeah you you gotta come down (laughs) here my brother will give you lessons he's he's the good one he's the surf coach we'll get him down here um let's do it but uh you know shoddy yeah i think one of the interesting things that i had a conversation with the other day was just about like what is real and we were kind of thinking about this man you have real leaders come on the time they give on their definitions of a real leader all the time and there's really no perfect answer and then you kind of think about that and you know you might do some self-reflection you know what is real and who am i and and you realize you're not a perfect human being in fact no one is perfect in fact why as a society do we not embrace imperfection and so when it comes to like how you unwind how a ceo lives how a ceo grinds 
what do you do exactly? And what is your philosophy when it comes to the culture of your business? Wow. I've been, I've been getting this question actually a lot recently. I think Interesting. It, the culture is so, so important. And I think constantly about how we're going to build an amazing culture within this organization, because we might be making an impact within the world outside, but it it all starts from inside. And hmm. so it's it comes down to showing people that you care and and engaging in people in ways that align with your values. And uh, so as we continue to evolve, we're going to continue to evolve what those values mean to us and and have different stakeholders kind of put their two cents in about why this value comes should should be part of the organization why this value should be a part of the organization and just building a team and building a culture around those values i think is the way that we're going to charge forward and and so what what kind of culture do we want to have is the next question that comes to mind and when we think about you know having a culture that's transparent having a culture that is built with ethic ethicality morality um you know integrity but at the same time always thinking outside the box always being super uh, disruptive always going back to our our original days as starting the business and that that level of grit and persistence that we needed to have and still need to have today more than ever to to be able to push this charge forward um i kind of look at it like we're an army going to battle against plastic <laughs> and plastic is big it's gigantic Huge. beverage is the largest one of the largest industries in the world has some of the largest brands in the world that reach every corner of the world. And we're little underdogs trying to fight our way up. But I think at some point there is going to be a much larger awakening of people that care about plastic or that are what it comes down to when you when I talk about people caring about anything is is awareness at the beginning, right? You have to start with the level of awareness. And um, so it's becoming the headlines, but I think as we come out of COVID, there is going to be a really loud scream for sustainability. And I mean, we're seeing it from the inside out right now with all of the people that we're talking to that are getting ready to get out of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think we're going to be super prepared for it and just knock it out of the park. Now, Shadi, with all this awareness, when you're learning more and more about plastics and let's say um, you're in the impact space, so I'm sure you're aware of you know, plant-based meat and its effect on climate change as well and, and your health. Have you made any other personal habitual changes due to this increase of awareness? Habitual? Yeah. Any, can can any, you clarify that? Yeah. Consumer uh, habits. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to buy plant-based only. I'm going to only drink water. I'm going to recycle more 
anything that you do at home that because of this oh me personally you personally 100 percent. i completely changed my entire life i mean i knew that plastic was bad we all have some level of awareness that plastic is bad for your health bad for the environment but to what extent and how much does like what does that really mean and so we always say that path was this journey for us also to become extremely passionate about the problem as we learned i can spit out to you now a million facts about plastic and and everything that it does at scale um and and so that's what i think where the awareness comes from in terms of my habits just being healthy being uh, conscious about the environment with the products that I use. Um, obviously, never purchase a plastic bottle of water. Uh, we kind of, I actually, one time I was in the middle of nowhere and I had to get a bottle oh. of water. Oh, no, go for it. And then <laughs> oh, I thought I lost you for I had to get a bottle of water. I was with one of my co founders and I bought a bottle of plastic bottle of water because I have I'm thirsty and we're like two hours away from the airport and then have to fly back home. Um and so I bought the plastic bottle of water and we got into this huge fight. It's like you can't be doing that. And so, but I always say that I'm not gonna blame the consumer for not having not doing something when they don't have the option to do it. Like if you don't have the option to be sustainable and your only option to drink water and to survive is a plastic bottle of water, then you should probably drink a plastic bottle of water. Um, but that's what we're all about is giving people the opportunity to be more sustainable, to take that step towards sustainability at a very affordable, very uh, you know, sensible price and business model and structure in a way that that we can reach every corner of the world just like those big beverage brands and make that impact at scale it's interesting because like for me as someone as aware as i am i have reusable grocery bags in my car and i'm gonna be honest with you like i always forget about them i always forget about that i go in the store and i get to the checkout line and I go i did it again i did it again how difficult is it to change a consumer habit? Now, I know plastic bottles haven't been around forever, but you know, what is some evidence maybe I'd love to hear of consumers changing their habits to having their evoked set that they're going to take their reusable bottle back and make sure they fill it up again? Well, I think we don't know that there are so many places that you can refill. Like water is a human right. And water should be readily accessible to everyone in the world. And so I think that's something that we should fight for as a global community. But beyond that, I think we need to become aware that you can go to your local coffee shop and ask them to refill your bottle of water. Um, there are so many different opportunities to get access to water, but we're just kind of not putting two and two together because 
these big beverage companies are making it way too easy for us to just go get a cold one off the shelf at your local retailer. Right. right? Uh, and so there has to be kind of steps in the right direction to be able to solve that. Now, Shada, you're also in many local like retailers. Like you, you have impressively, you know, reached a scale that that's very impressive in terms of this space. Like, how, where are you exactly, and what kind of numbers are you, are you doing in terms of your distribution? So we're nationwide, fifty states. It's been 2020 was a crazy year for us because we were just killing it at the beginning of the year so hard before COVID hit us and we didn't stop, you know, we kept going. We made, we did a lot of damage, um, but the world changed, right? And and we all had to change with it. Uh, look at us now, I wish we could be sitting in person and, and you know, yeah, no, doing no. this in person, but, but here we are. So um, it's just a different world and, I'm really excited for things to be coming back, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. I think we've seen pretty optimistic results. And uh, I, I do see a lot of the world coming back to the way that it was in a big way, because I think people are definitely ready for that. So so what? maybe dive into that a little bit more. Like what happened during... Um you know, the pandemic, during the lockdowns, what, what was the thinking going on? What decisions did you make? We didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, we could kind of assume it, but we were being modest and maybe naive. And, uh, I mean, we figured out a few weeks later what the actual damage was, but we lost about half of our business in a day, right? I mean, it just happened very quickly and we rebuilt through it and we grew out of it and we focused on the areas where we could grow the business and in the other areas, we continued to nurture them and wait for this thing to, to pass and uh, just continue the momentum that we've built over the past few years. What... I think the big change was for us is that because we weren't all over the place talking to people and meeting with people in different states like we were pre-COVID, we had the ability to work a lot on the internal systems of the business. And so it's going to just prepare us so much more to be able to scale it and, and make it uh, a well-oiled machine as we come out of COVID. Now I'm I'm rooting for you all. I'm, I'm hoping the best. Uh, I want to drill this point down though, in terms of water usage, because I don't know if you fully answered that question. I know you've talked about it a lot. Sure. Um, when I buy your water bottles, am I reducing the amount of water usage in some way, shape, or form by not buying uh, a plastic bottle or anything like that? By no, you're actually increasing. You're actually increasing your water usage. So, so what we've found is that people that started to use our product that may, may not have drank so much water before that they, they did, you know, they might've had one bottle of water every once in a while, because now they have this reusable vessel out of, you know, that they were able to just pick up on the go. 
solving the convenience factor. Uh, it just kind of made them, it put them in the zone of refilling and reusing. Mm. So they started reusing it throughout the day. And instead of drinking one bottle of water, they drink six. Mm. And people coming to us actually telling us, you know, you've changed my life because hydration is so important. And uh, it's it's really interesting. Like I think beyond the the reusable, save the planet, no more plastic, all that good stuff that we're doing, the healthy aspect of us trying to tackle the obesity epidemic against all of these sugary drinks that are on the market or that are still coming to market um, by offering you the, the opportunity to drink a lot of water at, you know, at the touch of your hand. And I think it's just a combination of different things that are, that are coming together and creating this huge wave of, wave of change. And you'll see it as we come out of COVID over the next few months, there's going to be some really big hap things happening for us, for the industry, for plastic, that's completely changing the game. We're in a different world than we were in a decade ago, two decades ago, or five decades ago when bottled water even started, right? And um, so it's, um, it's important to, I think, think about how we can continue to push innovation forward and make better products, make more conscious decisions as consumers, and hopefully not set that timer to end the world within the next few years because there is, I'm not sure if you've heard, but there's a, an irreversible timer to end for climate change mm. uh, within the next few years that we're on a pretty scary path right now to what we're doing to the planet. And it's only increasing. There's only more products. You have only more orders on Amazon only have more you know there's technology is is a beautiful thing but it can also be used in the wrong ways and so uh, just like plastic we have to be really careful with with how we use these different tools and technologies do you feel like people come to work at pathwater because of those values because of that shared interest to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves 1000% yeah that's why everybody that's why everybody works with us or everybody on our team is on our team for that reason. It's plain and simple. So when you're like, what's like your leadership approach? Cause there's a difference, a big difference between entrepreneurs, obviously and, and leadership, starting a company, being really scrappy, hustling really hard and now scaling and, Oh, you know, damn, I got to manage a big, big team and make really big time decisions and work with investors. Like how, like what's your leadership style and, and what have you found that works for you? Well, I think that leaders are, there, there is some natural talent to everything, just like basketball, you know, if you're a really good basketball player, but there are always probably some things that as grown you growing up, you might've been exposed to basketball in some way that made you a little bit better. I, I always think the natural part of, of any skill um, is really something not to, not to focus on. 
And so when it comes to leadership, I think leaders are built and their leadership is a muscle that you can train. Um, there are a lot of tools that you can use and utilize to create a sense of leadership within your organization. Um, and at the end of the day, bringing people together, leveraging their expertise, their energy, their connections, their networks, and, and bring it all together into one synergistic mission and organization that's doing something together to, to make a big change. Um, all of those things kind of play a different part in, in, um, you know, how we're looking at, um, the organization as a whole and, and how we're thinking about developing people within the organization. And I keep saying the word people because I think it's such an important piece. I mean, that's essentially what leadership comes down to is the people that you're able to interact with on a day to day basis and how you're able to bring value to them. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, I would say it's a, a position of self-sacrifice if you do it the right way. And, um, it's also, I feel very honored to be in a position to lead this team because um, it's a it's a great team and we're doing crazy things that are just way different than any other company has done before and uh it brings me back to that margaret mead quote you probably know it never doubt that a small group of people can change the world uh, actually it's it usually is the the truth is that i'm butchering it but but usually it is that small group of people that can change the world. That's usually what it is, is a small group of people that are making a big change and there are ripple effects to it. And so hopefully we'll see those ripples come back to us at some point. But for now, it's just charging forward and, and uh, taking things one step at a time. I just think that's so special, you know, when people are bought in to this mindset of, you know, we're, I'm trying to change the world, folks. It's interesting to me too, as well, because I'm sure you have, you know, I would assume you have friends. Let's say you have friends for now on this show, uh, and you go to, you know, a soiree, and you're trying to explain what you do, and we're trying to change the world. Do you ever get that reaction that people have no idea what you're talking about? Yeah, all the time. I think. When you do something that's different, it's it's going to have that reaction. And yeah, I get that all the time. <laughs> I mean, is that sad to you? Is it like like when someone says like, oh, like you're you're running a company that's trying to end single use plastic shoddy? Like what I don't I don't get it. Like, do you make money? Like is that a nonprofit? Like when you when you hear that from people, like does that make you concerned? No, I love the naysayers. It just fuels me more to just want to prove them wrong, honestly. And because nobody has the, nobody's in this seat or with, of the seat of the team that's actually doing it on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, seeing things from the inside out. And so we have a shared vision that I think we're going out to try to, 
manifest in the world and um and sometimes people don't see eye to eye with you sometimes they don't see into your brain i mean they can't really see into your brain and, and figure out exactly what it is that you're trying to do or accomplish and why and what's driving that you know what is your reason for for doing that and um so there are a lot of different considerations when it comes to um how to you know approach these things but it's it's super interesting um yeah i don't know tell me what what are your thoughts yeah it's it's just like it's common for me to just continually explain you know like what i do and why i do it it's like wait like are are you making money on this like it, it doesn't the the idea of of what a job is is a construct it is essentially i have a job and it's just from been from generations and maybe it's just because i'm i'm coming up in this generation but in our parents days it was you get a job to survive and provide means for the family and you go to the place in the city it's located in because it's the highest paying job has nothing else other to do than making money and saving up for your retirement nowadays mm. when you tell someone that you're trying to you have a job that inspires you that you and you have a daily purpose every day and you wake up and you want to make sure that you know when you leave this earth you're leaving it better than you found it it it's almost like a joke to a lot of people and it's it's for me it's very concerning because you know people go throughout their mm -hmm. whole life and they reach this point and they go what am i really doing and i hear this time and time again on our show and in in our first interview it's you know 5 years ago with some random entrepreneur to you know, maybe even you on this show, it's like everyone hits that moment at some point in their life. And then when is it going to take someone to understand that at an earlier age? So that's, that's why I'm passionate about this. And that's what also scares me the most. Yeah. I mean, it's generational at the end of the day, right? You, you learn things, you, at a very early age, you're either getting direction from your parents or you're getting direction from your friends who are getting direction from their parents. Right. Um, or just, you know, the people that you surround yourself with, that's kind of what shapes you and you are some of all of your past experiences. So for us to be able to make that level of change that I think you're talking about, it's going to take generations or maybe one generation, or maybe just a mass awareness through the internet of how the world should be and needs to be. Yeah, it, it's. It's interesting to me. It's really interesting to me. And it's also, I'd love to ask you about this is like, do you try to put on, it sounds like you do. I feel like you're a pretty reserved person, but like, do you feel like you have to put on some type of cloak or some persona to say, Hey, look, I'm the CEO and you know, we're going to do things this way and you know, respect me or because of this, I feel like you're, you're really not that way at all. Like what's your approach to building trust within your uh, culture and within your employees yeah i think i think first of all i think leaders do not are not associated with titles i think those are two separate things maybe managers are associated with titles right. but leaders can be at any place within an organization if the organization is built to allow it and i think ours is um, 
when we think about how we're developing our team and and building that culture of leadership um, comes down to having kind of a, a connected tissue between us uh, that mm. that holds us together as one and through that you get one plus one equals three instead of one plus one equals two so that's i think what we're trying to accomplish is one plus one equals ten maybe um we're very aggressive we're very determined and we work extremely hard and uh i think as long as we give it our 100 percent we will leave the the war the battle knowing that that we've done what we've set out to do what's been the most difficult thing for you like i, f I feel like you know entrepreneurship blood you know you're starting now you're starting all these different companies and then you start to grow like what co what comes along with those growing pains and like how did you have to change yourself to make sure you're leading in a better way i'm constantly learning i'm constantly trying to improve the way that I think about organizations as a whole, because in any role, any career path, any skill set that you're trying to do, you need to put in the time and the effort and the energy and you know, be the best at your craft. And my craft is I should essentially be doing nothing. My team should be just so good at what they do that I just need to be able to check in with them you know, find synergies between different groups and work at a very high level. Um, but I can not, you know, it, it really comes down to your team mm. at the end of the day. Um, so knowing that I think, and being aware of that, it changes the way that I'm not, I'm not the type of person that demands respect. I think respect is earned. Um, and and you have to have that level of trust. You have to be able to, you know, have real conversations with people, hard conversations. Those are things that need to be had at, from one time to, to another. Um, but at the same time, giving them and empowering the other people, the other leaders within your organization to lead, to take charge and to kind of drive different initiatives forward and all going towards the same goal, same North star, um, same mission. And, and that's everything that we do. What is your North star? We want to eliminate 10 billion plastic bottles from landfills and oceans within the next three years. Nice. Well, let's do it, Shadi. I'm I'm thrilled about that, it. especially as someone who who lives in the ocean as well. And um, I'm I'm really thrilled to see you know the progress from you know Path Water as a consumer myself. Uh, I just hope you all can keep it going. Now, Shadi, we spoke about a lot today. Let's bring this home. What is your definition of a real leader? It's a great question. I think a real leader is someone that creates other leaders. And the, the better that you can create other leaders is, is the true reflection of how good of a leader you are. Well put, Shadi. It's been a pleasure 
having you on the Realtors Podcast today. For Shadi Bakor, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, create better leaders, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Shadi. Thanks, Kevin. All right, and thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast with Shadi Bakor. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, Shadi, a few questions shot in during the show today. The first one comes from Jim, and Jim asked Shadi, how important was it to find guides or experts to help you plot your course in the early days? Mm. Super important. And it, you, can, you can find them in different ways, but we're constantly looking to surround ourselves with people that are smarter than us. And folks, if you want to hear the rest of Shadi's answers, you have to be a part of our free community where you can unlock access to live interviews and ask the guests your direct questions after the show. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com slash podcast and click on any past or upcoming interviews. If you're on Apple Podcasts also, folks, please help a leader out and leave a review. That's right. Leave a review and let us know what you think, what you liked, and how we can improve the show. Lastly, if you want to email me directly about a leader who is driving change in your community, like Shadi Bakor, please email me directly at b at real-leaders.com. That's b-e at real-leaders.com. That's it for me. Thanks for being a real leader and stay tuned for the next episode.